Look, the biggest podcast where you can learn them lessons Line for line where you can learn from different sections Made it out the mud, come tell your story, blessings Never know who listening, never know who stressing Divine gave you a voice, come speak your honest truth Line for line, go ball for ball, it's up to you Wanna talk sports, gov, and politics Wanna talk about where you from and your accomplishments The line for line is really where you need to be A platform that's really made for folks like you and me You can find it all no matter what you seek Whether you calling or you listening, tune in every week all right, and just like that, we're back in another very special episode of Line for Line podcast. I'm your host with the most, Devon Booker. Before we introduce our guest, we'll tell you to hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and leave an interactive comment for me and my guest. Just like that, we'll let her introduce herself to the world. Yes, uh, good afternoon, everybody. This is Tatiana Buchanan, and I am the executive director with Building Our Future. All right. And obviously, we'll do the most cliche thing when we start an episode. Just tell the people just a little bit about you, where you grew up, what that was like for us as well. Yeah, so born and raised in this community. Uh, community raised me, I should say. Um, so from Kenosha, um, went to Bradford High School. So from the north side, About right? time. I always get these <laughs> Tremper people here. I always get Tremper. I'm a Bradford graduate myself. So yes, it's yes. It's so cool to see a Bradford native in the building. Yeah, so proud Red Devils, your north side, right? And just uh, so representing, right? Yes, <laughs> and uh, then went to Parkside for my undergrad. So really proud to have, you know, been at Parkside for four years and worked a little bit in this community, always in the nonprofit sector. Okay. And then from there, I left to go to graduate school. So University of Chicago. So mm -hmm. lived on the south side for a little bit right there in Hyde Park. Are you a Bears fan? No. You're sorry. a Packers fan? Yeah. Oh. Man. <laughs> I can never get a, a Red Devil and a, a Bears fan. Continue on. I'm sorry okay. to cut you off. I'm sorry. So sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. So no, a Packer fan. And then uh, maybe Brandon, you know, rubbed off on me right there a little bit, right? So um so then I went to graduate school, University of Chicago, and um, and that's where I actually became a runner. So I don't know why that thought just popped in my head, but I started running and I did my first half marathon uh, in the city of Chicago, and I just became a really avid runner for many, many years. Oh, wow. And then uh, moved back here and lived overseas a couple of times. So I've lived abroad. I was in the UK, London for a year. I want to go there so bad. That's yeah. I have that marked on my own atlas to, to go yep. there, so that's crazy. Yep, yep. So I lived in London for a year, a lot of fun, obviously, you know, in Central Europe, so a lot of traveling to various other countries, and uh, then I came back home, continued working for another nonprofit for about seven years, and then uh, in my 30s, I decided to quit my job and join the Peace Corps. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so um, some might say I was maybe having like a midlife crisis or something like that. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to get out there and explore the world a little bit more and give back in other ways. And so I joined the Peace Corps. I originally was assigned to uh, be in uh, the Middle East in Morocco and uh, and then wow. they switched the assignment on me and I ended up being in St. Lucia, the Eastern Caribbean. So I spent two and a half years living in the Caribbean uh, in, uh, in a village called Labry, so the southern part of the island of St. Lucia and worked at an all-girls primary school, Labry Girls Primary School and our uh, tagline was that Labry Girls must shine. <laughs> and so uh, yeah, I got to work with kindergarten to sixth grade, so the primary years there and built a school library and just taught basic life skills and financial literacy and 
Um, yeah, it was a great experience. Uh, I still keep in touch with some of my friends there on the island. And then obviously being in that part of the world, I went to all the different islands. And, uh, and that was great. And then I came back home here and traveled again for a while. And, uh, and now I'm doing this great work leading an organization known as Building Our Future. So just from what I take from everything you just told me, you just always been involved in helping your community and the people around it, just helping it grow and flourish, correct? Yeah, especially our young people. Yes, ma'am. Just tell us a little bit about the thought going into that before you started doing all of your work that you do. Yes. Yeah, so after I graduated from Parkside, and that was back in 2000, I started working for a nonprofit and it was with youth in particular. And so I've always had a passion for our young people and their families and really wanting everyone to have the best opportunities, right, and to live into their genius. So I did that for a couple of years, and then I got the opportunity to do that in London as well after graduate school. Again, working with families, working with our young people in particular. And when I came back after serving in the Peace Corps for two and a half years, our community here, Kenosha County, uh, we're ha they were having conversations, the business community, the nonprofit community, our education system, of uh, well, how can we support our schools, right? Schools can't do it alone, nor should they have to. And that was the whole premise then of learning about our, na our national organization, Strive Together, mm -hmm. which and Building Our Future is just one of 70 partnerships across the country doing this type of work. Yes, ma'am. Did I answer your question correctly? I believe you did. Okay. Are you a parent as well? I'm not a parent, but I am a proud auntie i have four nephews and two nieces gotcha gotcha so with you having nieces and nephews as well too what are some things that you tell yourself on how to make it work knowing that you have youth and your family as well too that you have to lead by example yeah so i think the biggest thing especially in this time is that we really just need to listen to one another mm -hmm. i think our young people uh, have the answers and they know what they need and so i even do that with my uh, my nieces and nephews too it's just like let them show up as who they are and support them in whatever way possible and just really providing the resources and access to opportunities and so for example right now and this isn't my doing but uh, my niece Aviana, who's eight years old, watched a movie and uh, with the Williams sisters, right, playing tennis and, you know, and got inspired by that and is now taking tennis lessons. Right. Wow. And so just, you know, creating those opportunities to allow our kids to explore and figure out what their passions and their, their niches are. And so I think that everyone should have those types of opportunities. Of course. Of yeah, of course. Just tell us a little bit about the work that you do at Building Our Future as well, too. I think a lot of people want to know that. Yes. Yeah, so Building Our Future, our partnership started. It was back in August of 2016 at UW Parkside there, right in the uh, student ballroom, is when our community came together. About 180, 160 were in attendance. So a business community, nonprofit, uh, for-profit, our, uh, our K-12 partners, higher ed, our faith-based community, um, our families, our young people that gave us the thumbs up to go ahead and do this work. And the work is really, we want to make sure that we're creating opportunities and supporting our partners, that all of our kids have the opportunity to achieve high levels of academic success and, and then go on to some form of post-secondary education and ultimately uh, be in the workforce 
workforce, be productive, and that they're staying in the community. So our role is to support, is to support our partners in providing coaching and support and helping them look at their programs, look at it through an equitable lens, and see where are their opportunities that we can make a greater impact. So it's not necessarily about adding new programs or services to the community, but it's understanding what's working, what's and then who's benefiting from the particular program or service. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Can you tell us, just tell us a little bit about your typical work day when you do get out and engage with the community? Yep. So with myself wearing the hat as the executive director, I am meeting with partners. We know that our partnership moves at the speed of trust. So relationships at the cornerstone of our work here. So I'm, I'm meeting with partners if it's our superintendent or if it's a CEO of a business or CEO of a nonprofit, just understanding what their current needs are, where the community can lean in. Again, we believe that schools can't do it alone, nor should they have to. It really does take a village to support all of our young people. And so our typical days are you know, meeting with partners, hearing what their pressing needs are, priorities, where can we create alignment, right? Because it's not just one system that has the array of services, right? It, we all have to be working together. And so we do that by bringing partners together around some key outcome areas. So if we're looking at kindergarten readiness, for example, and wanting to make sure that all of our little ones are ready to learn on that first day of school being kindergarten, well, there's a lot of work that happens in between birth and five years old, right? And so, um, and just being an auntie again of four nephews and uh, two nieces, I mean, education is not a one size fits all, mm -hmm. right? We all learn differently. Even myself uh, being the oldest and then having a brother and sister, right? There was three of us growing up we all learn differently too. And so it's just understanding some of that and looking at what are the barriers that are preventing an individual to not reach their full potential. Yes, ma'am. Now, can you just tell us a little bit about what it looks like when you do enter the schools and you're meeting with the staff and students as well, too? A lot of people may want to know about that as well. Yeah, so we uh, we work with the administration, so with the superintendent and her team, uh, uh, school building principals and teachers. And for, for example... Um, with early grade reading, we've done some work with several of our elementary schools and looking at the programs that they have, what they're providing uh, after school, so extracurricular activities, um, looking at the data, right? So data kind of keeps us honest and it shows where we're hitting the marker and where we're not. And so really helping them build a culture of continuous improvement. By no means are we the experts. You know, my background's not in education, but we could be really good thought partners in that space and really I like to say pull our partners out of the weeds, mm -hmm. right? Because they're in the trenches, they're in the work every day, they're putting out fires or what have you, you know, one thing after another. And so it's like, join us at the balcony here and let's like zoom out to see the bigger picture. Yes, ma'am. And so we do that by asking really effective questions. And then again, looking at things through data, but it's not just the data and the numbers too. It's really listening to our young people and families and lived experiences. Of course, of course. Q, just tell us a little bit about how you take a step back and understand how problems do operate. Let's say you have a kid who's maybe acting out at school or missing school, or whatever the case may be. How is it that you will go about seeing how the problem originated and being able to effectively help? 
So we don't necessarily get into that much of the we, you know, we do have like my team will have those conversations with some of the, you know, with staff and principals, our instructional coaches, right? Because we certainly, especially during this pandemic in the past two years, it's been challenging for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so just like it's been challenging for us as adults too to adjust, right? The Mm -hmm. whole world had to pivot back in March of 2020 just over two years ago, but, and so, and so did our young people, right? And we keep saying and using words like they're resilient and they are, they're phenomenal and we can really learn a lot from our young people, but there's also been a lot of behavior issues too. So we hear that it's a common theme. And so we, you know, by having that dialogue with our partners, it's just like, what do we think is contributing to that, right? And so we hear a lot, our young people are saying, you know, we want to not have the stigma around mental health. We want to normalize that. You know, we're all having, you know, we all have, we could benefit from, you know, um, mental health services, you know, and just looking at our, our wellness and so forth like that. So it's, you know, it's conversations like that, but and it just really kind of being an outlet as well for individuals. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we don't get into, again, we're not the experts in that, that, you know, our classroom management, but, you know, we'll share, we like to say you have a toolbox and we're hoping to add a couple more tools to that toolbox to make it a little bit more effective. I think I just got goosebumps from that. Seriously. That was, <laughs> that was, that was well worded. That was well worded. Can you tell us a little bit about what a successful day looks like for you and your team? A successful day for us is um, if we're able to work alongside our partners, um, you know, having those little bit hard, courageous conversations. Right now, uh, success for us is we launched a results count cohort. So it's essentially continuous improvement. Mm -hmm. And we have three youth-led organizations that are involved in this work. Wow. Yeah. And so we're creating like this learning cohort. So each respective organization, you know, they come with a team of like three or four. And then, and so now you got a team of three or four from each organization. And we have three youth-led organizations right now that are participating. And it's just kind of a breath of fresh air for them because they're so in the trenches of the everyday work, you know, the stuff that needs to get done, the to-do list that's always there and growing. And they kind of get, again, get to zoom out and look at their work, big picture and think more strategically. And, and then really ask the questions like, okay, we're, pro- we're providing a, a variety of services or programs, but you know, what is the impact that we're really making? Like we know it's a good program, but mm-hmm. how do we know it's a good program? Right. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so we're in the middle of that. We launched that cohort in March and uh, 22. Yep. Of 2022. So we're halfway through it right now and it will end in June. So next month. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the community events that you guys do host or maybe attend? Yeah. So part, uh, going back to we know that our partnership moves at the speed of trust. And so when we did get the thumbs up back at Parkside in August of 2016 to go ahead with this initiative uh, and strive together. And then our community named us Building Our Future and then set the tagline and our vision and our mission. But uh, they also said, OK, where's the community engagement? Right. So knowing how much we value relationships in this community. And so um, 
a lot of our work has been in two targeted neighborhoods, really building those connections and relationships and uh, what we call like social capital. And that's in the Lincoln Park Uptown neighborhood, mm -hmm. as well as within Wilson Heights. And that's where I'm a product of. The yeah, Wilson Heights. Wilson Heights. Yep. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so we work very closely, too, with Wilson Elementary there. No way. Yes. Got a, got a, got a couple of good people still in the schools there as well, too. So. Yep, yep. And so, um, so we meet just on a monthly basis. Right. And really, and we're working with the community, not to them, not for them, with them. You know, it's a partnership side by side. And so it's whatever right now in Wilson Heights for the past year or so, what's really been on top of mind is housing mm -hmm. and affordable housing. And what does that look like? And, you know, and that's a serious um you know, the city, the county, and, you know, there's a lot of organizations that are trying to tackle that right now and, uh, and kind of get at some of those root causes. But so our conversations are really organic and housing is one for just over a year has just really been coming to the forefront, especially during the pandemic, right? Our homes have been, you know, had to be a place where you sleep, learn, entertain, uh, work, all of the above. And so, um, so housing certainly impacts our educational outcomes. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. My next question will be a two-part question. Okay. Now, do you host events where you leave the floor open to the community to ask you questions and maybe give their type of feedback, whatever the case may be? Yes. So with our community conversations, our community engagement work, we always come in with a proposed agenda, mm -hmm. meaning that it's a proposed agenda and we will be fluid and flexible if the community wants to go a different direction, right? Because there's something more pressing. And so, um, again, it's, it's, it's led with the community. Uh, for example, in Lincoln Park Uptown, you know, after the social unrest in that, you know, in the summer of 2020, there was a subgroup of community partners that wanted to start doing uh, monthly cleanups and just beautify the neighborhood, mm -hmm. right? So that came, it wasn't something like, this is a building our future idea, but we supported the, the space and being that convener to hold space and bring people together for them to then generate their own ideas and thoughts. Yes, ma'am. So we're definitely, it's again with the community and the community certainly has a, um, a voice at the table, of regardless course. if it's one of our community conversations or one of our collaborative action networks. Of course. And how I said it was a two-part question. Yep. Are you familiar with the term that's normally around football, getting it all back in one play? Eh, so tell let, me a little bit. Educate me. Yep. So let, let's, say, yep. let's say the Packers fall to the Bears with three, <laughs> three minutes left, okay. and, and the score is 28 to 14. Bears are on top. Okay. Aaron Rodgers tries to win the game <laughs> in one play. All right. How is it that you would respond to one of the members of the community who are not happy with maybe something that's going on and they think it should go this way. And when I say getting them back all in one play, obviously you can't do it all in one day. It takes time to get things together and for a change. I think where we have a lot of success is that we come in as neutral facilitators, right? So we're not pointing fingers at anyone. We're not coming in saying we know all the solutions or, or what have you. It's really... When that happens, we listen to the individual or the partner there at the table and say, you know, can we put that in maybe in the parking lot, right? If we can't get it, you know, if we can't address whatever that need is, you know, at that moment, you know, we will follow up. But it, again, it's always 
Or we'll ask, we'll ask uh, uh, the audience, you know, the group that we have that day, do we want to go down that path now? Is this of interest to everyone else, right? If, you know, I'm going to use housing, for example, right? So, you know, at one point we were looking at, you know, how do we continue to promote a love of literacy, right? And then, you know, it's like, okay, we went from that and we're still focused on, you know, literacy and reading, but, you know, then housing became a thing. So, we're always, we're listening, we validate everybody, and we will acknowledge when we, you know, you know, may, maybe need to put a pin in it, and we can't go down that road right away. Of course. But it doesn't mean that we won't revisit. Um, and again, things are fluid here. So, you know, just like, you know, with the summer of 2020, right, with Jacob Blake and, every, and, uh, and the social unrest and everything that happened, we were holding community conversations in the uh, Brown Bank building and, you know, Lincoln Park Uptown area and, uh, and, and even at Jockey and using their cafeteria too. And at Jockey, we had about 50 community leaders sitting in a circle. Oh, wow. Yeah, and just talking about how are we going to heal together? How are we going to continue to foster trust and be really transparent where we're not you know, hitting the marker? And the same thing we did at Brown Bank Building. And we had individuals that came in really hot and heated, right? Mm -hmm. and, and rightfully so. And um, to be upset like that and saying, you know, enough's enough. We want to see, you know you know, better opportunities for all. And so this work, again, moves at the speed of trust. And this is long term work. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So and we're not interested in what I call like band-aid solutions. Mm -hmm. We want to do real work that's sustainable, and uh, will demonstrate uh, greater impact for all. Of course. Now, as we get ready to close off this amazing episode, young lady, can you just tell us one thing that is on the up and up when it comes to community and building our future? I think the up and up right now that we're really proud of for especially this year in 2022 is our youth-led uh, initiatives. So, uh, you know, at the start of this year, the first quarter, 2022, January, February, March, we uh, facilitated a uh, youth uh, leadership cohort. We had 12 students from all the high schools, uh, juniors and seniors, and uh, and their first project that they put on, and they did a phenomenal job, really strong leadership by all 12 of the students was the Youth Town Hall School Board Candidate Forum. And we're also partnering uh, with KUSD with, uh, and hosting youth community conversations every month at Herzing. Herzing so you'd University. be proud of that. Yeah. yeah, we're utilizing Herzing right there. And so that's done every month in, in partnership with KUSD. And so I think what's up and up right now is that we really want to create the space for our young people and to make sure that they're at the table where decisions are being made. Love it. Love it. I expect a lot of great things coming from building. Our and futures. I think we're just getting started. Right. So I'm excited to see what the rest of the year looks like. I cannot wait to see the growth myself as well. That being said, young lady, we greatly appreciate you for having some time for us. And we appreciate you for coming on Life for Life. Well, thank you, Devon. I appreciate it, too. You calling or you listening, tune in every week. Life for Life. Oh yeah, I'm going to laugh, laugh